Romans chapter 12. We're studying through the book of Romans on Wednesday nights. Love for you to come out on Wednesday night and hear our study. Um, I believe we're coming close to chapter 10 in the book of Romans, which is a very important chapter, of course. But um, love for you to come out on Wednesday night and hear it at 7 o'clock. It's been a great study. I've, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't know if anybody else has. Okay. Uh, uh, all right, uh, but I, I really have enjoyed it, but the book of Romans is such a special book, but truth is, they're all pretty special, amen? So, Romans chapter 12, we'll look at verse 1, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as, the, as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Father, I pray that you bless tonight. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you guide my mind, my thoughts. And once again, I yield myself to thee and ask you, please, fill me with your presence, your power. And Holy Spirit of God, I ask you to guide my mind, my, my direction, everything that, that I try to portray here, try to speak here tonight. Your Holy Spirit, I need you. I need your clarity of mind and strength of body. And then, Lord, I ask you to wrap your arms around this place. And, and Lord, turn back the evil one that he, he, would, he would not statue away the word of God tonight. Lord, please use us, fill us, be among us tonight. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This is going to be a, a, a very simplistic message, even though in this uh, scripture, in this passage, there's so much in here. And there's, I'm going to be addressing just a couple of things. And you know, as time goes on, we'll, we'll go through it. And as we study through this in the book of Romans, we'll, we'll look at it more in, in, more in depth. There's so many wonderful things in here, though. But, but one of the things that, that I'm going to speak about tonight, and it really keys on the very first part of it, uh, my wife, if she ever signs a Bible, and, and the world doesn't understand it when we do that. I really didn't understand it when people started coming to me when I first started preaching out and about and asking me to sign a Bible. I understand it more now. It's not my signature as much as it is as the verse that I write down, I think, is what's important, that they understand kind of what's a motivational ver verse to me. Mine is Psalm 126, 5 and 6. But hers is Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. I want you to notice that God says it's just reasonable to give your body as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. He said, that's just reasonable. That's not exceptional. It's reasonable. And he says, be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed. And of course, here in the verse two, he's telling you how to give your body a reasonable 
sacrifice, how to give it a living sacrifice. But by not, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And, and again, we're not going to go into these, but if you notice this, they got the good will of God, the acceptable will of God, and the perfect will of God. And that's a very important thing that we'll, we'll look at. And probably, again, we'll look at it on Wednesday night, but I'll preach again on it sometime. But but uh, that's kind of what I was talking to, you know, illustrating this morning a little bit about that couple that I was counseling. You know, sometimes God's got his perfect will, but this sounds strange, but, but, but people can not keep you from God's perfect will, but they may, they may change the route that God takes you to your perfect will. And so, um, anyway, we are in a world, though, here's what I want to speak about tonight. It hinges on these first two verses. If you're really going to give your body a living sacrifice, that's pretty extreme. That's pretty extreme. Now, God says it's just reasonable that you do it, but, but it's still, it, it sounds pretty extreme. But we're in a world of mediocrity and complacency. That's where we really are. We're in a world where, where we just, just kind of, go through the motions, and, 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 and thank God, I, you know, I've been, I was telling somebody yesterday, I believe it was, but, you know, in, in, um, and maybe it was in a soul winning meeting, but, but, you know, most churches, they say that 10% of the people do 90% of the work, but that's not the way it is in Calvary. Honestly, as I look across this crowd right here, uh, it's just everybody jumps in. It's just everybody tries to do something. Everybody's working and giving their all. And it's, it's amazing church in that, that realm. I mean, there's, there's hardly any churches I've ever been to that I, where I've seen such a percentage of involvement, active involvement in effort. And that's an amazing thing. But, but the world that surrounds us right now is a world of mediocrity and complacency. But what does God say about mediocrity. What does God say about it? Ecclesiastes, if you want to look at it, if you want to write it down, but Ecclesiastes 9.10 says this, 9.10.11, it says, for what, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. You know, that sounds to me like, sounds like God is not for mediocrity and complacency. He's not for that. Wow, this has been a day of deadness. <laughs> Incredible. I, I mean, I know rain puts you to sleep. Mark, DeMarcus, smile at me, man. I'm worried about you. you just, you're not mad at me, man. You're not? Well, I'll try harder. Okay, now, God bless you. He said, whatsoever thy hand finds to do, do it with thy might. You know, God says that, that this going through the motions and this being satisfied, folks, when you, when you go to, go to a, 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 a fast food restaurant, that is a misnomer, okay? <laughs> they may be able to cook it fast, but they don't serve it fast. It's amazing. When you go to places now, I went to, I think it was Walmart the other day. <sighs> oh, Walmart. <laughs> Brother Rogers understands, man, Walmart has given me trouble here recently. But I went to Walmart the other day, and I had to go to the return line with a 70-inch TV in the return line, and the line was about nine miles long, and they decided that this was the time to train somebody to run it, and they got one place and one girl that's looking, and she's going, tink, tink. And the woman who's training her is on her phone, 
texting somebody and I'm like, ah, this is not helping my cause right now. Anybody, does that, does that bother anybody else? I'm, it just, whoo, man, I'm thinking, all right, now this is about to, I'm about to lose it in here. And, and, and I'm trying to think, do I have anything on that says something like Calvary or pastor, you know? <laughs> Because I don't want anybody to know where I'm from when I'm, my wife says all the time, she says, we ought to put those stickers on the car say, you know, follow me to Calvary. I said, not on my car, baby. You do not put any kind of sticker that says that I have anything to do with the church on my car. You put it anywhere else, but not on my car. Okay? God bless you. All right, now. I, I, can't, I can't comprehend it. I didn't grow up that way. Those police officers that came yesterday and brought the tables and chairs back and stuff. And, and uh, man, they were so thrilled. You know, they were asking about our buses and what we do. And I told them about kids. They said, man, he said, anytime you want one of us to come in and, and speak to one of those kids. And the guy looked at me, the colonel looked at me, and he said, he said, he said sir, you look like you grew up when I grew up. And he said, he said the kids just don't care out there anymore. And he said, somebody, he said, you know what? They don't think there's any consequences to their actions. And I said, guess what? That's what I deal with on a daily basis. And that's why they're mediocre. Because look, why try hard if there's no consequences? Why give it your best if it doesn't matter and there's no consequences? If you're not going to get fired from the job for moving like a turtle, then you don't, guess what? I watch them. I can see it in their eyes. Discernment is a terrible thing. But when they're looking and they see the line, here's what they're thinking. I know this is what they're, th- they're thinking. I'm here all day no matter what I do, so it matters not how fast I go. That's it. So it's like... And, and man, I got steam coming out of my ears. Listen, I used to have hair. It just burned off. <laughs> Look, God says, though God says, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Do it with that. That means give it everything you got. And God explains why. He says, there's no, for there's no work, no device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where thou goest. And God's just making it clear. He's saying, look, you better get done what you can get done while you can get it done because there's coming a time where you can't get it done. And don't even expect me to try to, to repeat that again. But God is saying, look, you better do it now. Get it done now. And in order to get it done, you've got to give it all you got. You know, I'll give this illustration until I, until I die because the older you get, the more you repeat yourself, and it's okay because you don't remember that you did. But, the, but you, know, when, you know, when we cut hay, and, 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 and look, I'm, I'm not exactly, my brothers were better farmers than I was. My dad knows, and I'm, you know, I'm confessing, I never was really a great farmer. I wrecked every tractor that I ever got on. Uh, you know, that's hard to do. But, but I, I, when it came to hauling hay, I understood the concept. And I mean, I understood. And I understood that once you start bailing it, that stuff's got to come up. And we don't quit till it gets done. And, and watch this. We didn't get paid by the hour. Truth was, we didn't get paid. But you didn't get paid by the hour, which meant you don't just walk between bales. You run between bales. You run and you run and you run. The only time you stop is when you're riding to the barn. And when you hit that barn, man, you better be slinging and, and throwing. 
Why? Why? We got to get it up. We got to get it done. And God's saying, look, night is coming, so you better work, for the night is coming. Now, verse 11 says, I returned and saw unto the sun that the race is not to the wise, uh, uh, not to the swift, nor to the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. Now, that verse we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. But God makes it abundantly clear that real success in life, and the Christian life especially, comes when a man or woman, husband or wife, Mother, father, rises above mediocrity and climbs out of complacency to run their race with all their might. God just says, he looks at us and he says, you know, some people in this world got to decide that we're going to believe this book. And when God says to do it with all our might, God says, you know what I need? I need some people to come out of the mediocrity, come out, rise out of the complacency and get it done. God describes this as 100% this 100% effort or this 110% effort. He describes it by a sacrifice. That's what he look. That's 100 110%. When you give yourself as a sacrifice, to give themselves as a living sacrifice, a sacrifice is complete. For it must die. It must be burnt completely to be a sacrifice. Two lambs were offered. Uh, for the, uh, the first lamb was offered for sins. The second lamb, a ram, was slain. Blood was sprinkled around the, about the altar. Flesh was cut in pieces, washed and piled on the altar, then burned as an offering by fire unto God as a burnt offering, as an uh, odor of sweet savor, a sweet-smelling savor to God. Now, that's pretty complete. When, they, when it's killed, when it's cut up, when it's burned, there's nothing left with ashes, and God says, that's the kind of sacrifice I want. We don't, we're not represented by the sin offering. We're represented by the sweet-smelling savor. And God says that offering was complete. It was cut up, and it's, it's, such, a, it's such a picture. This offering is representative of what God is describing. God says we to give all in life just as though we were offering as Jesus offered. Jesus shed his blood he, just as the, the ram was slain, he had his body torn apart just as the ram's body was torn apart. He suffered our hell for us just as the ram was burned. And he says to us, I need you to do that. But I don't need you to die doing it. I need you to live that way. And that's complete. That, that, look, that is so complete. God says it's every bit. Uh, you're, you're dying. You're shedding your blood. You're being butchered. You're burned. He says, that's the kind of living sacrifice that I want from you. He said, I want you to give, you, give me, he put it, your heart, your mind, your soul, your body, your strength. This is what's hurting us in Christianity today. We're mediocre, we're mediocre in the way in which we give ourselves to God. We give ourselves a partial sacrifice. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1 says this, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. God is, God is saying, look, you, I've told you how to walk. 
And I told you how to walk by giving yourself a living sacrifice for me. I told you how to walk. I, des- I described it by picturing the sacrifice, which is complete, which is completely consumed uh, uh, for, for me. He said, that's what I told you to do. And he said, why did I do that? So that you could abound more than more. For you to abound more and more. You know, to give your life a complete sacrifice to God does not hinder you. It helps you. It does not hurt you. It it builds you. You abound. The more you give your life to God, the more you abound in Christ. Can I get an amen from somebody? Man. Thank you, Miss Susan. Wave that handkerchief back there. I I don't know if that was a a waving of amen or I surrender. Now, so God says our lives should be a living sacrifice. We cannot be a living sacrifice unless we determine to live our lives wholly and completely for God. To live our lives by doing whatsoever God allows us to do with all our might toward God. That's a living sacrifice. Do do whatever God has for us to do. Do it completely. Do it totally. Give it wholly to Him. Forgive me. But, but this, is, this is a place that, that, I, that I struggle. I cannot understand going halfway in anything. I was not taught that way. I was not brought up that way. I thank God that I wasn't because I transferred everything that I learned on, uh, growing up under my daddy and working and, and playing sports. I transferred every bit of that to Christianity. And, and, and look, uh, uh, one of the police officers, no, no, it was Michelle. She said, she said you could have continued to be a police officer and preach. And I said, you know what? I preached while I was a police officer, but there came a point where God said, do I have you all? And you know, there were Sundays that they wanted me to work. And there were things where I couldn't work with the youth because of the schedule and because of the things that were going on. And God just kept beating me up and, and to the point that he just kept saying, are you going to give yourself 100% to me? Are you going to give me, be a living, are you going to, you want to preach for me, you want to serve me, then it's not halfway, son. You're going to have to give it your all. Now, how, how do I, how can I step forward and give more of myself to God? How can I really be a living sacrifice to God? And listen, I've asked the Lord this so many times, but the truth is he answers so many things he poses, questions he poses to us. If you really, when you read Jesus' actual words, and, and all of it's his words, but you know what I'm talking about when, when the red letters, you know, when Jesus is speaking to people and they ask him a question, uh, uh, Brother Phipps, you'd know this, the, the, when, he, when they ask him a question, so often he retaliated, so to speak, with a question. He didn't didn't give an answer. He asked them a question. And you know, the the truth is the Lord so often asks, and he already has the answer there for us. And it says right here, verse 11, it says, I returned and saw unto the sun that the race is not to the swift. Listen, here, the Lord's coming to us and he's saying, I need 110% out of you, but understand this, it's not how fast you can run. It's not your physical ability. It's the, nor the battle to the strong. It's not because you're stronger than somebody else. Neither yet bread to the wise. It's not because you have more 
wisdom and intelligence in somebody else, nor riches to men of understanding. It's not because you have the ability to make money, it not, nor yet favor to men of skill. Listen to this. God is saying, but time and chance happeneth to them all. Amen. Now watch this now. Time and chance happeneth. My, the title of my, my message is this, is mediocrity does not prepare for time and chance. Mediocrity does not prepare for time and chance. Time and chance happens to them all. Every man gets opportunities. Ultimately, it is what we do with those opportunities is the real issue. Everybody in this room has had your opportunities and will have your opportunities. And thank you, thankfully, God is a God of grace. And even if we miss an opportunity, can, can I tell you, I, I heard a man uh, preach a little of this line one time, and he made it seem that, okay, you got this one chance, you missed that one chance, well, you just missed God's will for your life. Let me tell you, my God is not that way. He's not that way. You may have missed a chance where he was trying to get through your hard head. And, and, and I know I have because I got a hard head, heard it in my whole life. But the fact is, I got a God of grace. And it's been amazing how he comes back around and says, okay, knucklehead, have we softened up yet? <laughs> and he gets through to me. Some squander their opportunities and others come upon time and chance while giving their all. They've prepared, they've studied, they've worked, they strive. And when time and chance come upon them, they are ready to take advantage of the chance they have been given. And I'm begging you tonight, especially young people, you listen to me. You've got a lifetime of time and chance is coming. And when God says in a some time is coming that you're going to be given a chance to show that you're going to give your all to God. Are you working at a job like you're the owner or just putting in time as an employee? Do you understand that you represent God as a, as a Christian? And I, and I joke about it, but the honest truth is, I try most of the time, Brother Roger, I try to really represent myself as a Christian in every environment. I, I'm human, and I'll cross over sometimes, okay, into Never Never Land. But, the, but I, I will. But I'm telling you, I really try. But, you know, at work, you really need to try. I, I, three and a half, no, four years I worked catching shoplifters when I was a Bible college student. And can I tell you, I tried so hard day in and day out with the foul language and, and the, 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 the music and the garbage that they, and the filth that, that was being said and done. And I tried all for four years to be a Christian and to be good and to be decent to people and be kind to people and treat them right. And you know, God blessed and 13 of the people that I worked with got saved. Amen. The truth is, 12 of the 13 came one night to hear me preach in Calumet City, Illinois, as a, when I was a junior in college. And, and it was a wonderful thing. But can I tell you, I wasn't perfect. There was a time or two somebody crossed over with me. There was a time or two when, when, they, when, when I had to take down some shoplifter and, and actually fight with them uh, that, that I got a little bit out of control. I really didn't because I was totally in control. But, but uh, there, was some, there was some times... But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, listen, it was very important that I tried to give it my all every day. It was very important for the cause of Christ that, that 44 of the, I mean, 40 of the 44 months I worked at that place that I led the store in apprehensions. It was very important. 
You know why it was important? Because, you know, it's very important that you're, that you're the, the one that tries the hardest on the ball field. It's very important that you, that, you, that you do what the coaches want on the ball field. Well, you know what? It's very important when you go into a work situation that, you're, that you work the hardest and you try the hardest and you, stay, you concentrate the most and you walk the catwalk the most and you, you look the most. It's very important that you try harder than everybody else because can I tell you, when you try harder than everybody else, you usually produce more than everybody else and they look and say you're a christian they came to me after i've been there about two years and and they they came to they needed six employees not to be security just anything in the store and they came to me and said look if there's six more like you we will hire them on the spot so go get us six more now the sad thing is i went and got six more and i found out there weren't six more even in college like And they hurt us because some of them were knuckleheads. But as you're working at the job, are you working like you own that place and everything depends on you and that that every dime you lose is out of your pocket? Or are you putting in time as an employee? Do you serve God as a servant or a friend? There's some people come to church and serve God, and, and it's just because i got to serve God, i got to do, i got to obey. No, he's my friend. If you, if you notice this morning, we didn't preach about it, but in our scripture this morning, we find out that he is our friend. Amen. Do you talk to others about Christ as though their life depended on it? Because it does. You know, I'll give this illustration. Hey, I got about, I, I'm doing so good, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish on time. Oh, shut up. I heard that. In athletics, when, when you're coaching, and I've I had an opportunity to, to coach several times in different venues, but when you're coaching, it's not the one who had average ability but 100% effort that bothers you. Anybody understand what I just said? The guy that's got average ability but he gives it everything he's got, that's not the kid that bothers you. Even if he doesn't make the play every time, he really doesn't upset you. No, the, the one that upsets you is the one who has above average ability but won't give 100%. And you know that, that that's, you know, I don't think I'm much different from God. I think that's what bothers God. You see, God has put in us and given us ability, and then when he sees us wasting what he's given us, Now, I'm, I'm going to make a tiny bit of shift, but I'm going to explain something to you here because and, 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 this is mostly home folks on Sunday, Sunday night, and this is what it's for. But I'm going to explain to you something about our type of church, fundamental church, conservative church. I'm going to, I'm going to explain to you. Do you. The reason some leaders, and I met them, and, and they're, they're there, but some leaders have become very hard and policy-oriented more than people-oriented. Can I tell you why that is? You know, what, I, what I'm saying is, is that they're more concerned about, uh, you, you feel like, oh, all they care about is how I dress, how I look, how I... Do. Let me tell you why that is. It's not the new people and the growing people that have caused them to come to that attitude. Are y'all looking at me? It's not the new people and the growing people that has caused them to come to that attitude. You see, those are people that they're doing their best, the best that they know. That never bothers, that truly, okay, I, I'll say, I'm not saying there's none out there that that, that bothers, but, but most people that got any kind of grain of sense, that doesn't bother them. Doesn't bother them at all. 
It is the leaders and teachers who tear down the standard rather than build it. And therefore are hurting the new who are trying to learn. It's those who know the truth and choose to lead others away from the truth. I'll be honest with you, that gets really frustrating. That gets really hard. And it's very, very hard to look and then just smile and say, God bless you. I love you. While you, because here's what it feels like. It feels like you're spitting in your, they're spitting in your face. And here's, here's the real heartbreak of it, though. It's not about how it affects the ultimate leader. When that happens, they bring confusion, for their life contradicts the leadership and what he's doing and teaching. And so the newer ones don't know what's right and wrong. Because you got one person saying this, you got others who are leaders under there that are doing this. Do you understand that that's the same thing that happens in a family? When a, when a father says this and the, and the mother says this, and you've heard me teach on it if you've been around here, and I'll end up teaching it again. But when you have two, two in the family, mom and dad, and they cannot agree, you force your children into rebellion. For the, for the scriptures, as Colossians chapter 3 says, children obey your parents in all things. Parents, plural, in all things. When they, look, when you can't obey, a child cannot obey mom and dad in all things when mom and dad refuse to agree. Okay, so what we do effectively is we force the children into rebellion. They've got to rebel one against one or the other. Can I tell you that's exactly what happens in the church? And I've watched it. Listen, folks, I'm, I'm telling you, not here. I'm talking, I'm talking I do so much, I do preventative preaching here. If y'all, I hope y'all understand that because you're an incredible group of people. But I'm, I, I, the, the reason I do this is because I, we are all human in here. Does anybody here is not human? Okay. We're all human. And so we're all human, and so we're all prone to this kind of thing, and we got to be careful that we don't slip into things that will be very hurtful because I've seen, forgive me, but I've seen where the pastor is saying one thing and you've got the youth director saying something else. And can I tell you what you have is you have children, teenagers, who are in confusion and rebellion because they got to disobey one or the other they got to disrespect one or the other. Does this make sense to you? This, this truth applies to the world, but it applies mostly to our opportunities with God. Time and chance comes for all of us. Are we preparing for it? That's the real question. Are we preparing for it? And I'm going to tell you, we, you say, well, how that illustration you just give, if we are not doing what we know is right to do, and we're not doing it because, we, whatever reason, because other people are not doing it, or because uh, we just, uh, you know, just maybe grown lax, or, or we're just, whatever reason, we're not doing what we know we're supposed to do. We are not giving our ultimate. We're not giving our all. We're not giving our best strength. We're not giving all of our strength. We're not giving ourselves a living sacrifice. So thank God that we are a living sacrifice. But understand, it's not one time the time and chance come. 
We live and God will give us time and chance in his grace so long as we live. That's a wonderful thing. Do you know that God will continue to give you another time and another chance so long as you're breathing? I believe he stops giving it when you're, you stop breathing. Sometimes it'll be another chance. It, sometimes it'll be a different chance. But as long as you live, there's another chance to prepare to be God's living sacrifice. Every day of life is a chance to be a living sacrifice. Right now, truthfully, right now, we can decide whether we're going to be a living sacrifice for God. I have to redecide. I have to today, one more time, say, God, am I going to give you everything I've got? Am I going to give you all of my ability, all of my strength? Am I going to give you all of my devotion? You know, we have to come to that time every day of our life, throughout the day. One more time today, you know, I, I, I'll be honest with you, y'all. I don't do well without Joe Beth. My dad said this morning, she, he said, wow, everybody left quicker this morning. I said, that's because Joe Beth's not out there to talk to. And, and look, that's more truth than fiction. I don't do well with her. I have a tough time concentrating without her. I really do. I, I try to get focused. And one more time today, last night, and as I was preparing this for the past several days, one more, I, kept, I, I just have to tell myself, you've got to focus because you've got to give 110%. Whatsoever thy hand hath findeth to do, do it with thy might. Amen. Are we really doing that for God? Are we really giving God all? Well, Vince, we'll go out there and play softball and give it every ounce of thing we got, and then finally you just have to walk off and say, I'm done. And we really don't even know how done we are until we get home and sit down. <laughs> but do, how often do we do that for God? How many people do we let go by? How many opportunities to help do we let pass by? How many days do we let pass by without seeking God's word, seeking his promises? How many days do we just fail to say, Lord, I, I'm talking to you. And I, I promise you, Lord, I, I want to give you my all. Help me to know how. And he told us how. He told us to be prepared for the opportunity that comes. That's one of the great ways. When that chance comes, you'll be prepared if you gave it your all. I used to watch guys out playing football, and I got two minutes. Took. I used to uh, playing ball, and at practice they just would not put out. They just wouldn't. And can. It, it, high school is this way. There were guys that just would not give draw. And so often you'd see that same guy during a game, a really intense game, and we needed him out there. And he's over on the bench trying to get water, 
his head hanging between his knees, sucking air. We didn't have oxygen back then. I don't think it was even in the air back then. <laughs> but it couldn't go. But I was taught to give it 110%. It didn't matter the game or it was practice or when it was. So I played quite a few games where when we went to Jackson Central America, I played every down, offense, defense, kickoff, returns, punts, everything, the entire game. Came off the field at halftime, came off the field at the end of the game. Not because I was a better athlete. There was a lot of better athletes out there. But because I prepared for the game. I prepared. When we ran the sprints, I gave it everything I had. When we ran the grass drills, I gave it everything I had. Every level that I ever played, at some point, I would be the example the coaches would use whether it was hitting the, the sled or whether it was running the sprints or doing the grass drills, somewhere, every level I ever played, at some point they would stop and the coach would say, watch him. This is what I want. And I was not a fraction of the athlete, especially at Memphis, the fraction of the athlete that most of them were. And listen, if that makes a difference to the coach, I think that might make a difference to the coach. That's what he wants from us. You say, God really wants me to give it until I just give it all? Hmm. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. It's a pretty inclusive term. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love and your goodness.